Welcome back to Rocky Unscripted, where we talk about faith when Sunday is over. Matt and Sean, so good to have you on the show. Good to be here. It's been too long. (laughs) Yeah, that's been a while. (laughs) I will say this. We've already been recording for about 15 or 20 minutes, (laughs) but we've had to restart two or three times. Some of them were just mistakes, and some of them I was like, guys, we need to totally redo this conversation because I have a better idea. So, hey, thanks for being troopers. It's the devil, dude. It's It's the devil. Ooh, foreshadowing. 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 Hey, Matt, hold that. Hold that thought because we're going to get there. Okay. But I I want us to talk about this series that we've been in for a little while uh, called Christian Streaker, which is a very provocative title. Uh, Who came up with that, Matt? I think I did. You did. You did. Did I? Yeah, Yeah. when we have really edgy uh, (laughs) sermon series titles, Usually comes from you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, can I'm, you briefly yeah. ex- can you briefly explain why it's it's called that for for those uh, listeners that are joining that haven't heard any of the the sermons yet? Yeah, sure. Ephesians six, Paul is talking about the armor of God. He talks about putting on the full armor of God. All these characteristics that we need to be mindful of as as Christians. And um, you just look at the culture in which we live. You can see people that kind of pick and choose you know, maybe certain pieces of that armor they like to wear, but leave other pieces off. And so we just kind of said, you know, a lot of people have the helmet of salvation, but they're not really wearing anything else. Hence, mm. they're kind of, spiritually speaking, streaking. <laughs> so in that in that regard, it's that that mental picture of, okay, you you say that, hey, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm a Christian, but that's all you're really as far as that scripture passage, that's all you're walking around with. So it means you can be a jerk to people. You can cut people down. Um, you can not try to grow in, in your understanding of who God is. You're just kind of claiming that that protection of, I got a helmet, I got my ticket out of hell. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, for sure. I also, in my mind, was like, dude, we could really do some really funny like videos of like <laughs> Sean running across the parking lot, and it's just blurred out. But then yeah. nobody... Is it too late? It's not too late, but <laughs> I don't think it's too just, late. Yeah. Hey, even if yeah, we show exactly that video guys. two months from now, it has nothing to do with the series. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be worth remember it. Remember this year? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Guys, but yeah, it's that's too the whole. Just so you know, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, all, we, all we need, Matt, is just catch him on a day where he's wearing like khaki pants and a light colored shirt and just blur it out. <laughs> no, that's, I said <laughs> he doesn't go. even have to know he's in the video. Let's just secretly record him and then blur out his <laughs> midsection. You know what I mean? And just show that. I love it. Put it on social media. I love media. it. Yeah. Edgy stuff, man. Edgy, edgy. stuff, I'm telling you. Yeah. Whether edgy. you're on board or not, it'll be edgy. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so I, I want to kind of pick and choose. We did this for uh, a, the, the previous series that we, we finished up where, you know, I'm listening each week, and I just have some things I want to ask more questions about. Yeah. And, um, and then one that, Matt, you kind of did some foreshadowing. I want to talk about spiritual warfare. I mean, that's what this, the passage is all about. But I want to jump into a couple topics and just pick and choose if that's okay with you guys. So yeah. starting with you, Sean, you, you taught on a week um, where it was the breastplate of righteousness. That's always mm-hmm. a tongue twister for me. Yeah. And you were talking about, um, you used some terms, theological terms, positional righteousness. And was, was the other one personal righteous, righteousness? Practical, Practical yeah. righteousness. Yeah. And uh, can you just give a brief definition for each of those? Yeah. So the word righteousness, I mean, sometimes it gets a little bit of a bad connotation. We talk about, you know, self-righteousness and that when righteousness is, is built on who we are, um, our goodness. And so we start judging everyone else and comparing with everyone else. 
Um, and, uh, you know, we've talked about it a bit that, Hey, who do we compare ourselves with? It's actually Jesus, which is, <laughs> you know, that's bad news because we do not compare. So yeah. positional righteousness is the trade that God made at the cross with us where Jesus, you know, second Corinthians five twenty one, positional righteousness is God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. So he made a trade. It was a great trade for us bad trade for Jesus unless you understand how much he loves us. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, Hey, I will give you my innocence, um, in exchange for your sin. And I will take your sin to the cross and pay the the price for it. Mm -hmm. So that's positional righteousness. We don't earn it, but it is a standing of innocence before God, um, because of what Jesus did, not because of what we do. Mm -hmm. So that's positional side, then you get the practical side, which is just, God says, this is what living a life that is right before God, that promotes connection, promotes relationship, um, and right by other people. And if you live that way, like you look through all throughout scripture and God's always giving us commands not to, um, not to tell us what not to do, but to tell us to what to do to give us a better life and better relationships. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you just, I mean, I had a kid call me um, after that message and was like, Hey, that really hit me. Mm. Like just the practice. Like one of your kids? No, no. Oh, okay. It was a kid in the community that I've known for a long time. Gotcha. And he just was like, dude, that hit me. Um, cause what you're saying, I think I've not been doing that and I'm reaping some of the consequences. Yeah. And so, yes, I mean, there are consequences of sin, but God just says, Hey, practical righteousness is, let me tell you the best way to live um, positional righteousness takes care of the grace when we don't live that way. But practical is like, Hey, your marriage will be better. Your mm. parenting will be better. Um, your habits will be better. Your life will be better. The way you have friendships and love for other people, it'll be better if you live this way. Now I'll have grace for you when you don't, but if you live this kind of life, it helps. Mm. So you think about a breastplate, breastplate, it just guards our heart hearts. It guards our relationships. It guards everything about us when we do what God asks us to do. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. I feel like because we're human human, that it's a it can be a slippery slope. Because I, I think when I think about just the way I'm wired, and maybe a lot of people are wired this way, is when I start making those decisions like, hey, this is better for me. I'm going to I don't know, get practical. It, it, people might be like, I'm 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 gonna stop smoking, right? That's just a better thing to do. Or I'm you know what, uh, drinking leads to some some issues. I'm gonna stop drinking. Or I'm going to, you know, stop associating myself with this and that's just better for me. You see where I'm going, where it can slip into all of these things I'm doing make me a better person. Yeah. And it can slip into that self-righteousness. Or works-based righteousness. Yes. That I earn it. And yes. Yeah. Where you start to go, other people do those things. How, what are they thinking? Like, why, why are they, and it goes back to some of the baggage that I picked up, you know, going to church all my life. That's like, oh, we don't do those things because we're, we're good Christians. So you can see it just kind of going down that path. Mm -hmm. um, what, what advice do you guys have for people that you, you want to pursue practical righteousness? Make good choices, right? And embrace the things that God loves. But how do you protect yourself from going down that path of like, ooh, now you're in a danger, dangerous territory, Mm -hmm. uh, with self-righteousness. Well, I think uh, sometimes when it comes to, to people who are not Christians, a lot of times what we do is we try to hold people who are not people of faith to the standards mm -hmm. of, that we see of people of faith have. We can't do that. And so I think we're, we're the constant balance is just trying to love people like Jesus would love people and realize that we, um, we're messy ourselves and that we needed to be loved. And so 
Um, again, I remember we were having a conversation, Matt, you were talking about, man, we, we don't, even our run through for that message that week, we don't compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to Jesus Mm -hmm. and he had grace for us. So we're supposed to have grace for everybody. So I don't know. It's, I think it's a hard, that's a hard one to figure out, Yeah, but we can't hold people to standards that they don't actually hold themselves to either. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good reminder of like why we're doing those things. You know, if, if we are, I think it's an easy trap to fall into for those of us who've been in church for a long time. We, it's like what Sean said, we start comparing our righteousness to other people, not to, not to Jesus, but all of a sudden it becomes like this com- competition, you know, mm-hmm. who's more holy yeah, and and I re- I read my Bible this amount of minutes, or I've memorized this amount of verses, and that was more than you, so therefore I'm better than you. But that's not the, a good why to do that. You know, we mm-hmm. we are pursuing, you know, righteousness. We're pursuing to become more like Jesus, so we can become more like Jesus, not so we can remind the person beside us we're better than them. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a trap we fall into, and the really dangerous side to that is kind of like the church that I grew up in, I love my church, but I, you know, in my church, nobody, nobody shared when they messed up. Mm. Everybody was perfect. And I remember as a young person going, I don't, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. I don't belong here. I'm not perfect. And, and so my, my idea of righteousness was, man, to be a Christian, you got to be perfect because look at all these people. They're perfect. They show up every week. They say the right things. They do the right, you know, they're smarter than me. They know more about the Bible. And um, the truth is they weren't. They just hit it. You know what I mean? I mean, their faith, uh, some of it was just kind of a, an act. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, there's a beauty to say as we are pursuing Jesus, we also admit we're never going to be exactly like Jesus. And that's where confession and God uses our you know, our shortcomings and mistakes for his glory because we've got this thing called grace, right? That's that positional piece. So without that, then it becomes a, we got to be perfect and we're not. So we just act like it. Mm. And there's a lot of, a lot of traps in there that I think people fall into. Trying to maintain that, 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 uh, appearance, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, it makes me think of, uh, well, just, just that need for humility. Keep going back to that appreciation for that positional righteousness, the way God views us through Jesus. Um, I, I took Caroline uh, to the landfill the other day. It was the first time I'd been there, and daddy, I was like, hey, why don't you go with me? Daughter date? That's Yes, nice. daddy-daughter date. <laughs> I needed some, we, we were throwing away like, mattresses that we'd been storing for, and you know every so often your community community will do, like, it's a free yeah. trip yeah. to the landfill. Mm-hmm. So we go, and it actually made me think of, and when I lived in Virginia, we went to, <laughs> I don't know, maybe we had less, things to do we went to landfill quite a bit and I remember going to the landfill and you just I mean you're surrounded by garbage and I was tossing stuff into the 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 bin or whatever the the big dumpster and the guy next to me had a trailer full of I mean it had to have been 300 garbage bags and it was just garbage and I don't know what the story was I don't know if he was a landlord that had like collected all this garbage from his rent I don't know but it smelled so bad and I, I had to sit there, and I'm, I'm you know, cleaning out my trailer and throwing stuff away. And I remember st- starting to get, like, so disgusted with this guy and judging him. 
Like, why do you have all this garbage? That's what I'm thinking, like, confronting him. Like, this is, you're making my experience at the landfill awful. <laughs> all right? It smells so bad. And it just gets, I got smacked in the face. It's like, we're all at the landfill. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like, we, we, we all have this garbage. We all have this stuff that, that we're trying to get rid of. And, and I'm judging this guy because his garbage is, is grosser <laughs> than mine. That's what I'm thinking. And it was just that picture of... Uh, we we can we can start to to have this sense of man I've got all these things together I've struggled through them I figured it out and I'm on the other side and we immediately can turn that into judging other people yeah that's a good story um, okay so Matt I I have a question Wish for we would have had that for the series you know yeah, would have been man. good <laughs> is it too late <laughs> I think it's too late oh, okay yeah. yeah sorry I didn't think about it you can tell that story like it's yours though <laughs> yeah. everyone goes to landfill yeah yeah. Matt, you talked last week at the time of recording this about um, that we're supposed to, one of the, one of the pieces of armor is uh, wearing the gospel or the, the shoes of the gospel of peace, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And uh, I loved how you approached it and you really leaned into uh, our pursuit of peace and how often we, that's not how we live. That's not how we um, approach other people. And uh, I've also heard that, that, that piece of armor talking about that, uh, that spirit of peace that we bring in, in this sense of sharing our faith. Right. And you, you talked about how like we, we kind of uh, jeopardize our ability to share our faith with, with anyone. If, if we don't bring that peace, right. It's like, why would they want that? Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you guys about the, that term that, that a lot of people have an issue with and it's like evangelism. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, I, I just wanted, if you guys have any thoughts that, that we could, um, talk about when it comes to sharing our faith. If you could just give me your raw, this is what I'm, I'm thinking right now. What should evangelism look like for the average Christian in America right now? Yeah. Any thoughts, man. Yeah. I, I'm just going to say what's on my mind and maybe after this unscripted. Episode, yeah. I'd be like, unscripted. Mm, I disagree with myself. Okay. I, but before you answer, I want to give you the freedom to do that. And I know it doesn't feel like that because we're recording this and we're going to put it on all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think it's important to the conversation that we don't have to, like, relegate ourselves to, like, I I have it all figured out and this is my sound bite and I can never change. You can change your mind, but I would love to know your thoughts unscripted about it. At at 30,000 feet, here's what I'd say. I think we need to care way more about our walk than our talk. And... I think the trap is we talk more than we walk. And I think if you walk how you should, that'll talk. Mm. But I think our default is just to to throw words out there. And um, I'm not quite sure how effective they are because I definitely grew up with a idea of evangelism, like go get a milk crate, go put it in the town square, get on top of it and start preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I'm not... I'm not against that. I just might be in a camp that's going, I like to do a different approach that I find to be more effective in my life, which is I want to live in such a way that, as Paul would say, gives credit to the gospel. I kind of want to earn the right for someone to ask me or for me to find the appropriate time to share my faith and why I believe what I believe. But I, what a great door for someone to go, hey, I'm watching how you're living. I'm wondering why you live like that. Yeah. And I know the answer is because of what I believe about Jesus than just knocking on someone's door. I, I always make fun of that. You know, people knock on your door 
And that was the evangelism approach that was taught, you know, in my church. And you yeah. kind of open with, hey, if you die today, do you know where you go? And I just go, that's weird and creepy. And I don't think people, especially today, they don't want, I mean, every, we live in Colorado. More than half our doors in our community have a no soliciting sign on it. Nobody wants you knocking on their door. Yeah. And um, so that's, that's kind of my default of when it, I, I, I just, I think approach matters. I say that a lot. Approach mm -hmm. matters. Approach matters. I want to think about the approach and not just the, the words you know, that I'm bringing. So I think it's important. Memorize scripture, get the Romans road down. I think that's great. Approach matters. So to your point, Matt, I saw this meme today. Um, so sorry, Christians, but spending eternal life with you people is not the selling point you think it is. <laughs> it's not as good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I like it. And unfortunately that's true. Okay. So let's, let's keep down that, that path. And either you guys can answer this question, but we're supposed to be the salt and light. Yeah. Right, we're supposed to look different. We're supposed to sound different. We're supposed to be different. Matt, you said we should walk the walk. Mm. What differences should people see in us? Because I think what people have seen is, yeah, those people don't do a lot of the things that that I do, but also feel like they think they're better than me. Right, so that that's not the approach. But what are some of the things that practically that you think anyone listening right now could like? Hey, won't you try living this way? Why? Well, I would say this is the power of the series. You know, each one of these pieces of armor comes with a word. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's truth. You know, there's righteousness. There's peace. I mean, there's characteristics that Paul's saying, this is, these are things you can live out and should live out. Um, where I, I go, you know, I said this past week, you know, when, when Christians are showing up, we should be walking into chaos and making it less chaotic. Mm -hmm. That would be different. Mm. than how the world's living. Mm -hmm. You know, we are, we are more concerned with finding peace or bringing peace than adding fuel to the fire. So our approach would be different, you know? Paul's going, somebody swings at you, don't swing back uh, because you're a peacemaker. Um, that's where I think these pieces of armor and, and are so powerful. And if I'm honest, that's not my default. You know, yeah. somebody hits me, I want to hit them back. Yeah. And I think that's the power of even what Paul's saying goes, nah, you, you should play it different. You should hit them with love because they won't know what to do. Hmm. And that's so different than how the world, you know, operates or even, you know, the power of righteousness, man, to, to, to know that God has forgiven you and he loves you and he died for you. And man, that brings so many good things to your life where we're not working for salvation. I mean, how many people right now are working for their salvation? and living in constant anxiety, wondering if they're going to measure up. Mm -hmm. And then here's a, you know, here's a church that's like, no, we, we are confident in our position before God because of Christ. Mm -hmm. And it just changes the game. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's beautiful. Um, so that's where I would just say, man, there's just a lot of these characteristics that we should be living, and if we're not careful, we, we leave them out, which is what yeah. Paul's saying, so... Sean, anything you'd add to that? Yeah, no, I, I was, before you said that, Matt, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, I was just, uh, we ought to be making the places where we are better. And, uh, and, and I think I noticed, there's a couple people that come to mind, and I won't even give the examples, but I noticed that there are some businesses, like say you got a business leader who owns their business. They have a lot of sway over the culture. And I've seen some that go so overtly Christian that they almost make their business like church. And what they end up tra attracting is a bunch of other Christians. Mm. 
not people who maybe still need to understand about faith. And then I've seen some others that just live it really well. And they've got good values in their place. And people know that they are a Christian, but they're not shoving things down the throat of other people. Yeah. But what they're doing is they're listening well. They're loving well. They're blessing people well. And they're living their own life with their kids and their family. They're not perfect. They're making mistakes, but they mm-hmm. own them. And then they they share why they believe in those things. And it's more when they see people in crisis, they're coming in and loving them. And that's when people are asking, mm. I don't and it's something, thank you for being here for me. What, what's so different about you? Well, here's what's so different about me. And it's not, here, here's how God's going to change your life. It's here's how God's changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like, here's what's just happened. Here's the story. And my life's been different. And so I've seen that with some business leaders. I've seen that with some coaches. They just live their lives well. And they seem to love people well, which makes people ask questions and say, I, <laughs> I think my wife has been a good example of this. It's really interesting with Jen. She coaches so many kids. It's Jen, Mother's Day, man. You're trying to get some yeah, bratty points right now. I like it. I like it. What is so interesting to me about her is she does not sit down and say, here's what I believe about Jesus. She just loves people well. She treats her kids really well. She coaches. She does a great job at what she does. And she ends up having people that follow her to the places that she's at. And one of the places that mm. she goes and that she invests in, that she finds her community and finds is this place at Rocky. And I, and I see that with a lot of other people, some of the best, I, you could say evangelists, you know, quotes and quotes there, evangelists of our day, I think are people who aren't so overtly out there and saying, this is who God is, but they're just living it and loving well. And people tend to follow them where, to the places where they are. Mm-hmm. Or they show up in really rough, hard times for people, and people are really willing to listen. Hearing you guys say that, it makes me think, um, I've recently I've just been reading in Matthew, in chapter 11, Jesus is saying, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you tired? This is the yeah. message par- paraphrase. Um, you burned out in religion? Come to me. Work with me. Watch me. And it's this invitation from him. I think often what is the lowest hanging fruit when we're wanting to stand out is restrictions. Like Christians have a lot of restrictions in their life. Mm-hmm. I don't do this. I don't go there. Mm-hmm. I don't hang out with these people. You start to, you can just paint a picture of these are all the rest- sure. restrictions. And if you want to be in my club, you have to in- embrace those restrictions. And it's just, I mean, in that, in that passage, Jesus is, is actually speaking against religion, mm-hmm. which people would attribute to him, I mean, he's he's God, right? And he's saying, no, 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 you've made up all these rules and you're worn out. Hmm. So I wonder if the way you're describing Jen and the way that we want to pursue is we, we can never be Jesus. We can't hold ourselves up to that same standard. However, if we are supposed to be like him, you know, what we say here all the time is, uh, you know, know Jesus and love like him. I wonder if the people around us should be like, when I am worn out, when I am tired mm-hmm. and life is not working, that the more time I spend with you, I feel like your way is easier. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you know, just to keep quoting Jesus, the burden of life is lighter when I, yeah. when I'm around you, when I embrace what you embrace. And that is probably so much more, it's so much more difficult to live that way, but it's actually like the Jesus way. Yeah. What's yeah. more natural is restrictions and just follow, man, just yeah. follow these rules and, and you'll be and, a more quote unquote righteous person. Yeah. yeah, Nick, to your point, I feel like our differences, you know, we we in church history, we've attacked those. We should celebrate those. I I don't know why there's we get so defensive. Um 
where, you know, we have one thing in common, which we need, which is Jesus. We all believe that Jesus is the source of our salvation. Outside of that, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why our differences, they, they, they create so much disunity, but it's been happening from the beginning. I mean, I talked about it this past Sunday where, you know, it took almost the early church in Jerusalem 40 years before they came to a conclusion that maybe Gentiles could be Christians too. Mm-hmm. And the guy who set it all up told him to go into all the world, <laughs> into mm-hmm. all the world. But Wait, it, then it's too? Almost, yeah, it's yeah. like, really? You know, and they made it about food early on, and they yeah. made it about circumcision early on, and they made it about gifts of the Holy Spirit. Early. It's like all these things that they weren't on the same page about, and it got so distracting from them, they almost like missed the whole mission that God called them to. And sometimes just like, brother, that's awesome. That's so cool that... That's where you are. And if that, and this is what Paul says to him. He goes, if you think that that makes you, if that allows you to be closer to God, then do it. Then go ahead and do it. But you don't need to hold everybody in contempt of that. And, um, man, we've missed that in church history. If, you know, we're, we're about the most disunified movement in the history of the world, and yet give credit to Jesus, it keeps moving forward. Hmm. But we fight that battle, even at our church all the time, because people come from all different backgrounds. And yeah. um, we say, hey, we got one essential here, and that's Jesus, and we're going to hold tight to that. Everything else, we'll talk about. But if we're not careful, we start making all these rules, which is really, it's almost anti-gospel. Yeah. You know, it's Jesus and here's the 10 things, you know, yeah. good luck. So, Okay, I have another, one more question, and then I want to talk about angels and demons, okay? Yeah. Um, last week, or two weeks ago, Sean and I were talking with Steve Cuss, and he said something towards the end of the podcast that has stuck with me. And I've talked to several people, and this is one of their biggest takeaways from the conversation. There's a lot that they pulled from it. But he was talking about an upcoming book that he's written, and we, it's not even finished yet. We, we haven't been able to read it. But what he said was um, that if we follow Jesus for an hour a day, that we'll be doing pretty well as disciples of, of Christ. And what he was comparing it to is the language we use often is sold out, all in. It's basically you're all in or you're all out when it comes to following Jesus. And each person that I've talked to has has said that there's so much freedom Mm -hmm. in embracing that. And and what Steve was talking about, obviously was within the context of the conversation, but he was saying we have this sense that it's like, okay, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. So we need to be praying all the time. We need to be spending time in the, the Word, and we never feel like we're, we're reading the Bible enough, no matter what you're reading. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all this, this pursuit of God, and usually it just ends up feeling like we're just not adding up. What are your thoughts on that? You know, him saying, man, if we are just following after Jesus one hour a day, we'll be doing okay. What are, what are your thoughts? Well, for a lot of us, that, that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think he, he was... I mean, even in our conversation, he was just saying we make it so unattainable. Yeah. We make it so hard and we make it, we set people up for failure. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're failing all the time when reality would be is if we focused on our relationship with Christ for one hour a day, man, we would, it would be the process of us getting better all the time or mm-hmm. not getting better, but getting more connected all yep. the time. Yeah. And I think it's good, man. I, he said it, and I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to go think about that. I know. And I was like, crud, man, how many messages have I said that, uh-huh. <laughs> that kind of language in oh, sure. all the time? You know? Well, and I think he even says, like, uh, you know, it's not wrong. Yeah. And, but he was saying, he gave an example as well of, you know, um, Peter walking on water. And we're like, man, if we had faith like Peter, we could walk on water. 
and all these big miracles. And he said, that happened once. Like Peter, Peter did it once. So it was only one of the disciples that did it one time. And he failed. And he failed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in the moment, it's yeah. like then his faith w- was weak. But we, we set this, this, this tone of like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And I think it relates a lot to what you guys were just talking about as far as focusing in on, 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 you know, our own pursuit of righteousness. And then when it comes to sharing our faith, I I think we can just put on so many things that are unhelpful. Mm -hmm. And I, the response I got from, from people that listened were, this was a breath of, of fresh air. That's good. And it seems like so much more of this invitation that Jesus is offering. Are you tired? Yeah. You worn out. Okay. Stop. Put that stuff away. Religion is not what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in you. And I think the more people could see that in us, the more they're like, ooh, I want more of that. Yeah. I bet you there's some folks that would hear that and they go to like the lukewarm passage, you know? Sure. That yeah. Jesus, you know, spit you out, you're lukewarm. I, I think it's the idea of like pursuit, you know, in our pursuit of Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus for the right reasons, but there's, um, there's steps to that, you mm-hmm. know? And, and in some of those kind of spiritual, spiritual formation steps that we've talked about, I mean, even something um, like generosity, you know, to come out the bat and go, hey, you, you should be giving this percent. And we've done things even here where Sean will be like, hey, start with 1%. And then, like, yeah. rep that out for a little bit. Yeah. And then do two and then do three. Instead of saying, well, it's 10% or nothing. It's like, yeah. no, you should start somewhere. And, you know, developing that, that kind of spiritual habit of generosity, you know, it'll lead you to a place where we're pursuing where, but our starting points are all different and in different conversations. And I, and I think we got to be careful when you go, Hey, you can only swim in the deep end of the pool. You can't get in at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I don't even know how to swim. <laughs> Why yeah. would I? And well, you're going to drown. Yeah. We forget, <laughs> man, that if you're, if you're brand new to Jesus and the church and you walk in day one and then we throw all these things at you, I mean, you might just walk away. You're mm-hmm. like, well, I didn't know. I thought this was just about following that guy. And um, I think that's where we got to be careful. Okay, I want to I want to make a change unless, Sean, oh, you're about good. to say something. Okay, so the, this whole series, talking about the armor of God, it, the, the setup is because, hey, we're in a battle, and it's not against flesh and blood, and we need to be ready. It's talking about spiritual warfare, talking about angels and demons talking about this dimension that we don't see like we see everything else. And we, I think this topic makes us uncomfortable for multiple reasons. Why, in, in your guys' opinion, why is this kind of a, ugh, don't really like to talk about the elephant in the room. Why is that? Well, I, th- I think there's a side of we can't see it, right? Yeah. So something we can't see. Um, and then, it's, I think in other parts of the world, it's not something that they don't want to talk about. That's true. It's very much part of their reality. And, uh, and here it's not, we're very much, uh, we want to be a, we see it. We want to be factual. We want to be, we understand everything. We can explain everything away and, uh, and we can't explain this. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's, scary. It's scary. It's beyond us. Now, sometimes we give it too much credit. Like as Christians, you know, we were the Bible very clear about, Satan may be able to, to tempt us, to be able to push us, to bring things, but he cannot, he cannot harm us. He cannot take us away from Christ, mm-hmm. from our salvation. Sometimes, sometimes we give it too much credit, but then I think it's, very, it's something that's very hidden in our culture. 
So we can't see it. We can't understand it. We can't explain it. So we want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's freaky. Matt, you were saying when we were chatting about this before, there's just like the, on the other end, like, yes, it, it can be scary. So it's un- uncomfortable to talk about, but there's also on the other end of the spectrum, kind of like the silly, like this seems like a silly topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of crosses the line of like believability. And, and as a culture, we've, you know, I was talking just about, you know, certain sports teams, like the do blue devils, you know, or, um, yeah. And they're always like comical. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, like, it's the drawings. pitchfork. Yeah. And people dress up like a devil, you know, on, on Halloween and, and yeah, so we've, you know, the believability of it, it's like, ah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not quite sure I'm going to buy into there's this spiritual warfare, you know, happening and, um, but we kind of poke fun at it. And so we kind of dumb it down, you know, to where it does become comfortable. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, the Duke blue devil mascot's not freaking out anybody, you know, it's just, (laughs) but it's a devil and it is, is what it is. And so, yeah, it's kind of lost. There's, you kind of see the, the both sides of the extreme. It's too much. It's too little. Both aren't very helpful of Mm -hmm. having a really good understanding and awareness of what is actually at play. So I grew up in the eighties. So the movie Poltergeist (laughs) terrified me. In fact, there was, I don't even know how I saw it. I don't know. Maybe I only saw bits and pieces of it. But You snuck into the theater? Maybe. As a six-year-old, I don't know. Um, I don't even know what year it came out. But there was a tree in our neighborhood that looked like the tree that's in Poltergeist. So, you know, in the the broad daylight, I would drive by that tree and be, like, scared by it. You know, then uh, Exorcist, I didn't see that as a kid. But I think in our pop culture, it's like, hey, demons can can attack you and get inside you and then you know all hell breaks loose and it's like we're in danger and there's there's these extremes i think feed into what you're talking about sean like this is scary um and but but when we read scripture jesus is interacting with people that are possessed by demons um jesus is is tempted in the desert by satan right it's jesus feels very comfortable interacting right and even later, his disciples are casting out demons, and they struggle until he, you know, he kind of comes in. Yeah. And but, um, wh- what what do you? I just want you guys to be able to speak freely and, and not feel like you have to represent the entirety of the entire conversation. But for most people that are listening right now, so it's a lot of people in America, you know, um, middle class. What what do you feel like that this? the interaction is like with, with spiritual warfare, like what, for someone listening right now, what is helpful for them? What, how, in what ways are they going to interact spiritually when it comes to that other dimension, our enemy? I think there's a side where we, there's just a real healthy balance there of, um, how, how are most people going to interact? I think there's a side where we realize that there is something spiritual going on when there is temptation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we put that all on ourselves, and we're like, I got to fight through this. Well, there's, there's a side of that that you, um, there are some temptations that we've got to understand that yes, we have natural desires. We can't just blame, uh, we can't blame <laughs> spiritual things when mm-hmm. there's a natural desire the devil made me we're do given it. into yeah. it. Yeah. But there is another side too, that we're realizing the devil does play off of our desires. Yeah. And there may be a side where we need to call out, um, you know, uh, a, a sin, we need to call out maybe the spiritual influence on that sin and begin to pray. You know, John 10, 10, I've always said in, in some of my spiritual struggles, it's a, is a good reminder 
you know, of the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life. So Satan takes what is good and he uses it for bad. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think even I was talking to a guy last night and he was talking about some spiritual warfare stuff. And I said, Hey man, you're feeling like there's a really real reality. Um, man, the Bible talks about the power and power in the name of Jesus and just, just use it in Jesus's name, Mm -hmm. man. I just, I'm just asking help God for this. And, uh, even in Jesus name, praying against some things mm-hmm. because I think there is a real reality of sometimes we have to own our own habits and our own stuff push back but then there's another side of Satan plays off that stuff mm-hmm. and it's okay to call a friend saying I'm struggling let's pray right now could you just pray for me and that person even praying in Jesus name man God would you just take this temptation away would you put Satan away on that and that's weird we get awkward talking about that stuff but I think there's a reality that there is some of that yeah I think on the lower end of some things I think we fight spiritually some battles in just some of the negative things that we tell ourselves in our mind. Satan also knows our insecurities. So there's some side of those things of where we have some insecurities and fears. And so we got to fight the negative statements in our mind that we have. And so I think there's some side of that of we need to begin to fight those things with God's truth mm-hmm. and what he does say about us. And we begin to fight some of the things that Satan plays in our mind there with God's truth. Now on a very on another side of it, as you go much deeper, um, I had a conversation with this week with a person who was like, I'm feeling some real spiritual realities in my house right now. Mm-hmm. Now, where that person had been is they probably opened themselves up just with some things that have been going on in their life. They probably opened themselves up to some of that, like to some deeper realities. And so, man, when we were talking, we're like, dude, we need to be praying right now. Mm-hmm. And praying in Jesus' name against this kind of stuff. So I, I do feel like the deeper you go into some sinful habits mm. and sinful things, um, the more you do invite some of that spiritual influence there. So let me ask you, and obviously I know you need to keep this, you know, this is a, a, a story about a, a friend. Yeah. But growing up in the 80s, I don't know, they actually, they had, there's a label for it. It's called the satanic panic. Yeah. And they thought, every, like, there were cults everywhere, casting spells, sacrificing babies. This is when the bands that were popular towards the end of the 70s, into the 80s, you know, a lot of satanic themes. And there was just this, this fear that everyone is trying, like there's a devil behind every bush. And when it comes to, you know, you do sleepovers and like stay up till midnight, stare in the mirror and say Bloody yeah. Mary three times. And it was like, well, don't do that because you open a portal. I mean, it was just like weird stuff that culturally they've been able to go back and study and be like, this was feeding into a lot of the fears of our culture. And this was a mm-hmm. way that we could kind of get control over it. So when you say, Hey, they're kind of, this person's kind of open themselves up. You're talking about some addictions, some yeah. drug abuse, some, some alcohol abuse or whatever that you're not necessarily saying like, well, he played with a Ouija board no. and he opened a door or, no. and I know it might sound silly to, to say that, but I'm just trying to ask those questions that a listener might be like, what are you, what are you saying, Sean? Like, what, what am I opening myself up to? We, you're, you're, you're talking about those, those patterns and those habits and drug abuse and that can lead to spiritual things, but also as well as mental issues. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For some, you might say, well, maybe that's spiritual. Some, it might be, man, um, I'm struggling in a way that is more of a mental, uh, you know, an emotional issue yeah. or whatever. But I think in this situation where we were talking, it was definitely more of a spiritual feeling of of like wow and just just needing to pray against that Mm -hmm. and i believe that stuff's very true yeah 
you know, you, um, you know, Matt, we were talking about earlier a, a little bit of that idea of like probably here in America, we just more, more logical and not mystical in yeah. the way we think. And so here, man, the devil's best strategy is just to flow under the radar. But you go to Africa where we go, you go to India, you go to those places, and, man, you see it. It's much more visible because it's been a part of their culture mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. And, uh, and that. But I think there is a side here of, like, we fight spiritual warfare all the time. Uh, there are times here we've said, man, I just feel like God's doing some great things, and we just feel like there's more difficulty, more problems that we're facing. And, and there's, yeah. we're on the precipice of just some great things happening in our church. Well, the enemy is fighting against that. And what do we do? We talk about, man, we just need to be praying. Yeah. We need praying that God's... So I think it's a real reality all the time. Mm-hmm. At, at the level of which it's seen and we see it and experience it, maybe different for some. Yeah. So Matt, what would you say, man? Um, man, I'm with you everything there. I, I, I think, um, you know, if we're talking about, hey, why does it maybe potentially look a little bit different where we live compared to what's happening around the world? Uh, I'd say, hey, the, the devil's shrewd. And so he's going to use a tactic that he feels like is, you know, the best one for, for the people that he's attacking and not to, not to get weird, but I think money's at play here. And, you know, half of the parables Jesus teaches about money and, you know, you always talk about that young rich ruler who was unwilling, you know, and he walks away from Jesus cause he's not willing to get, get rid of his stuff to follow him. And Jesus says, how hard is it for rich people? to enter the kingdom of heaven. So I, I would say we have a lot of stuff, and, and I wonder how much our stuff actually gets in the way mm. and how much of our stuff has actually just been a really good tactic. You know, I, I've always said one of the greatest deceptions the devil has played on us is that we're a bunch of rich people who don't know we're rich. So we, we fight mm. this complacency. You know, the devil hasn't necessarily have to, had to come out too often from the shadows because he's doing a pretty good job with keeping us deceived and distracted with how much stuff we have. But I think, um, you know, Sean, you've experienced this. And Nick, you're going on a mission trip this year, bro. You you get around people who have nothing. Um, that's one tactic that the devil can't use. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's he's going to be doing some other stuff. And, and again, but, you know, when... So you're when saying, you like, the more, more stuff we have, maybe it's we're so distracted and consumed by what we have. And the things that we own that, you know, we talk about you have stuff and they end up owning you. Is that what you're saying? They distract us and just yeah. make us uh, ineffective when it comes to ministry. Yeah. And a very good, very good tactic, you know, to keep us lethargic gotcha. that you live in the midst of God's blessing. And yet, you know, Jesus teaches over and over again. It's like, hey, there's kind of a battle going on for your heart and it's between God and stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful, your stuff will take over. Yeah. And I just wonder, like in the American church, sometimes we've we're just rich people, and we've got so much stuff, and that's mm-hmm. a that's a good enough tactic on its own. We don't, you know, if you're like, hey, how come we don't see the stories where we live that we read New Testament? And I'd go, I just don't know if we need that tactic yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? You for sure you travel around, and we could tell stories where we've been in certain places on mission trips, and you see some stuff that you go, oh, I've not seen those things before yeah you're it's also a reminder like usually you're around or in the midst of a culture that is in in deep poverty and things look a little bit different there so i just wonder i just throw that out there as a you know i think we we don't give that as much play 
as right. we should. And I think that is a way that we are <laughs> deceived sometimes. So, yeah. Well, then yeah. you take Satan uses good things. I mean, resources can yeah. be good. Solve a lot of problems with those. If he takes what's good and can use it for bad, you think about other things. So when you start saying that, start thinking about social media, you know, just the image creation. And we got a whole generation just addicted to that. Yeah. And so that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the, uh, I mentioned Jesus being tempted in the desert. Satan was not offering Jesus uh, ideas that were, you know, it was, you're hungry. You should, mm-hmm. you, sh- you should eat. You know, it's, it's, it's these good practical things that can become distractions that can be, yeah. become, this is not what actually God wants for you, ultimately. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you guys being willing to, t- to talk about this because it's not something, well, one, I'm, I don't know that any of us feel incredibly well-versed, like all oh, of an expert nah, on yeah. this. So I appreciate you guys being willing to just kind of, I didn't give you guys any, any heads up until we're sitting down. It's like, <laughs> hey, I want to talk about spiritual warfare. Yeah. But that's what we've been talking about in this series in a very, very practical way. But I'm curious, is there, is there any last bit of encouragement that you'd have for, for anyone listening to say, hey, when it comes to spiritual warfare, this is what you just got to keep in mind. Matt, you got anything? I always just, <clears throat> I always go back to, I told the story about my mom this past week who in, in my mind is one of the, like my heroes of faith. And she just has a, she has just wrestled with her face in such a way that she's very aware that there are things at play. And, you know, we, we have all these descriptions of what the devil's all about. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. You know, he's the king of, of lies and, um, and, and this is a real thing that's happening. And I think it's just to have a level of awareness, not to become complacent in that. Mm. And in our pursuit of Jesus, we, we know there's opposition, and we shouldn't be surprised when it happens. There should be a level of preparation. And I think that's what Paul is saying. And we may not always know, you know, the difference between just life and the practicality of life or when, you know, there is a legit spiritual attack. But I, I think we just... You know, I, I know what God wants for me and my family, and I want those things too. And I need to be aware as a, as a father and a husband and as a leader, um, there's going to be difficulty along the way. There's going to be pushback because the devil doesn't want to see any of that happen. And so what am I going to do? You know, how, how can I be prepared for those things? And this is why we're doing this series. Mm-hmm. I want to I understand righteousness and trust and peace and understand the power of, of God's word. These are powerful things. And it would be wise for me to to take hold of them and to put them on, you know, maybe not exactly, you know, <laughs> praying them on one piece at a time every morning, but understanding it is it is to my benefit to work out these characteristics in my own faith. And that takes some intentionality, you know, and I think that's what Paul's saying, to be aware, to be intentional. Yeah. And um, I think for me, it's just, man, I just don't want to be complacent in that. I want to be active hmm. in, in moving forward, so... That's good. Well said. We were talking about this earlier. This will seem off the subject, but I think it's it's true. Um, so it was interesting. So big basketball guy, Joel Embiid wins the MVP uh, for the NBA this year. Um, all, of us Denver, all of us Denver fans are saying, no, no. Nah, Joker should have won. Yeah. But what's interesting to me is I've been watching him since he's been in college because he was on my, my Jayhawks team. And his nickname is The Process. Because when he came in, he was so stinking raw, but he was so gifted. They called him the process. And it's crazy. People were like, he's going to be the next big thing. And I was watching him. He's averaging nine points a game at Kansas. I'm like, yeah, right. And then over time, what does he do? He wins an MVP. 
And I feel like that's a little bit that we miss in this whole thing of our spiritual relationship with God is committing to the process of just letting his, him kind of turn us inside out of, I think the more we've even seen this in, in us, the more we commit to the process of trying to get healthy spiritually and relationally um, before God and allow him to work into even our personalities, even to our, um, and doing that in a way that, that we're seeking God through it, man, it, it seems like we grow stronger um, in who we are, who God's created us to be and, and spiritually. And so I think that's my encouragement to people is like, God gives us tools, but it is a process and it is a process where we are continually growing, never arriving, but getting there consistently and allowing God to do that in us. So commit to the process. Allow him to do it. Well, said. I think, I think another thing that we just need to keep in mind is what I do, what I'm not hearing from you guys is uh, be afraid, like be very afraid. Yeah. Don't be freaked out. Stand firm. Hey, we don't have time, but maybe next episode. I did read something about this whole idea, you know, of like, you know, spiritual warfare. I call it the dark arts. And it said <laughs> one of the things to watch out for for people who uh, are in the dark arts is male pattern baldness. We can talk about it next time, but I'm just, <laughs> it might be something we want to discuss. What's funny is I don't really know what you're talking about. I just know it's kind of a dig at Sean. So yeah, I like yeah. Just leave it. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> like, yeah, he's appreciate not it. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I appreciate putting you on the spot. This is unscripted for a reason. But uh, thank you so much for the conversation. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Good, to be, good to be here. It's a good Fun conversation. Guys. Love it. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, It'll always be up to date. We love to connect with you and love to serve you as much as we can. Please share the podcast, rate us, review us. That helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. and We'll catch you next time.